What comes to your mind when you think about an inspirational person? A best-selling author? A founder? An influencer? Maybe a radio jockey? A VJ? What if I told you I've invited someone who's done it all and has joined us today to give the most valuable life lessons that she's learned from a journey? Welcome Malini Agrawal, the founder of Miss Malini, a successful business personality and a 10 on 10 inspiration. So follow and subscribe to the show and let's start without wasting any time. Malini Agrawal, welcome to the show. Thank you. Before we start with anything, I just want you to talk about Girl Tribe. Tell us a little about it. Yeah, so I felt like, you know, social media was becoming a place where it really became sort of a competition for your likes and followers. And I think it's really important to remember, especially at a time like this, when all of us are sort of stuck at home, that what's important is to use this opportunity to connect with people when you can't see them personally in a way that's really positive and uplifting. And what I really like about this community, of course, right now it's only for women because it's just, unfortunately, right now it's just the way it is that when guys are in the group and most of them, might, most of them might be wonderful, but there's a lot who will say really negative things or trolly things or inappropriate things, which makes, you know, a lot of girls very uncomfortable. So just having a safe space to talk about anything that you're going through or even share your work or your experiences in a safe and uh, sort of comfortable environment. So that's really been the basis of Girl Tribe. And now we have our own app, which is available on Android and on iOS. Hmm. So was there a particular moment when you decided, okay, now I have to build a platform like Girl Tribe or are there small, small instances that led to the creation of the brand? Yeah, so it was really things that happened very organically and I guess serendipitously because it wasn't planned, as you mentioned as well. It was something that I was, you know, for the last 10, 15 years, I've been working, you know, um, in entertainment and I've lived my life online. And whenever there's something new that comes along on social media, I basically test it out. And so Facebook was just launching groups and they asked me if I'd like to start a group about something. And I was like, mm, should I do it on Bollywood or lifestyle or fashion and then I thought why don't I just create a community for women and see um, how that goes and it was so successful and so many women flocked to it and were so happy to interact with each other it became very clear very quickly that it was you know something that was much needed that's incredible now before we go back to talking about your life tell me your views about clubhouse because it's the new popping platform at this point I really enjoy it I think it's great I've always loved the digital, the audio medium. I was a radio jockey for nine years. So I love the idea of having conversations which are organic and hearing different voices. It's all theater of the mind. So a lot of times, you know, you feel shy about coming on camera here. You don't have to worry about that. And people don't judge you on how you look. They think about the things you say, which I think is very freeing and very refreshing after always having to worry about what you look like on social media. Okay. Do you think Clubhouse can be the next mainstream platform that everyone interacts on? Or is it going to have a niche audience? I think it depends. There'll be different rooms for different things. I think some topics and some conversations just by virtue of what language they're in or what they're talking about can be niche. But I think that as it opens up, a lot of people will come and just enjoy consuming and listening to the content as well. I've been to some rooms where people are singing or some are just listening to ocean music. So I think there is something for everyone. I have been using Clubhouse for quite a bit now. Mm -hmm. And I really like the fact that I can just enter a room and, you know, 
I can listen to people talking about things that I like. Yeah, it's fascinating it's to me. and one thing that you say that i honestly love the most is that i i heard you were talking about it on karina kapoor show when you said i'll never write anything that i can't say to your face yes it just makes so much sense because at the end they are humans too so what is this thought did it come naturally to you or was it an incident that put this thought in your head So funny you say that it's so true and actually I I've, I've written about it in my book um and uh called to the moon how I blog my way to bollywood and I really you know I realized that I always think of myself as a good person I don't think of myself as anyone who would troll anyone but the nature of writing about celebrities and gossip tends to be unfortunately you end up writing something gossipy or people want to know who they came with who they dated and they may not be necessarily things that you would say to somebody's face but as journalists and entertainment you tend to get away with writing gossip right and hmm. i realized that i used to end up going to events and i would be running into these celebrities and sometimes i'd be like oh gosh i don't want to make eye contact with someone because of something we'd written and that made me stop and think that you know if i'm so um embarrassed about what we've said then i really shouldn't have said it or i should have the guts to face up to who i've said it about and that's when i took the call that we're never going to write anything we can't say to someone's face just because it's unkind to use like you said the great power and reach we have to say things to someone who's not able to respond to it and not be able to face that if you want to say something about someone then you know be willing to face them for it and and you know uh, see how they feel the reason why we don't say things to people's face sometimes is because we've gossiped or we may not have told the truth or we don't want to um deal with how they're going to respond or we're kind of you know embarrassed about what we said so none of these are good reasons to allow you to say things about other people uh without having you know accountability so and ever since i've done that i feel really good about it because there would always be times where it'd be like oh can we cover this story or not and it was always you know does this work or is this too so i was like you know what let's just keep a blanket rule so that everybody knows very clearly that If you're about to write something, would you say it to their face? If you're someone who's comfortable with that um and you think that it's something that is acceptable to say to someone, then by all means write it. And as a result, we've just felt really good about the content we create. We still do entertainment content, but it doesn't always have to be negative. It doesn't have to be fashion police. It doesn't always have to be saying, you know, things that are unkind or rumors even about people. And and I feel that it was just a really um positive move for us and i think that entertainment needed that because a lot of time i think entertainment tends to be kind of on the murkier side especially when people want to hear gossip about celebrities hmm coming back to the point i feel again even though what you're saying is absolutely right and we are fortunate enough to be in the top 1 to 5% of people who still not cover it and have a source of revenue mm-hmm. but to a lot of people who are just starting out it does draw in a lot of people let's say writing a blind piece about two celebrities a gossip about someone it draws in a lot of people so how do we draw a line between not being too into the lives of someone with just a gossip article and to make sure that you're making financial sense for the brand at the same time you know that's a very good question and i think it also comes down to yes part of it is business but part of it also is then you have to think about like you said very rightly who and where you're writing it there's a lot of smaller 
um, you know, publications that will get away with writing all sorts of things, but people also know that you cannot rely on them for 100% of accurate information, you know? So even mm -hmm. for us, when there were things that if there were breakups happening or something was going on, we would always verify our facts. And I think that's important to do regardless, because even if you think a blind item might be great for you to get a couple of eyeballs today, if it turns out it was a complete lie and it turns out that you were just making things up for you know the purpose of clickbait, eventually people are not going to trust you as a resource. And in the long run, you'll have done yourself a disservice. So at the end of the day, you should always have some amount of research, some amount of fact checking that you do, even if you're looking at being more of a traditional gossip blog uh, or publication, because people need to trust that what you're saying is not made up. Hmm. Makes sense. Now let's go back to your life. I mm -hmm. want to know about your college days, your school life. How was it? Where was it? It was really interesting. So my father was in the Indian Foreign Service. So I grew up all over the world. So when I was six months old, we moved. We lived in Somalia for three years, then Lebanon, then Greece, Germany, Ivory Coast, Bulgaria. Every three years we moved, which is probably why I have an American school accent. Okay. So I was talking to Shelly Chopra a while back, the founder of She the People. Mm -hmm. And she had a similar upbringing. So in her early days, she switched a lot of schools and colleges. And she told me that it played a very important role into what she had become today. So is it the same for you? Is traveling so much sort of helped you to learn different cultures? It has, because especially where, you know, in the countries I studied and I was in high school in Ivory Coast, my best friend was Korean. And I, you know, I always say that um, travel is, you know, the, you know, the world is the biggest classroom and travel is the best teacher because you learn so much in person more than you'll ever learn in a textbook how many cultures will you read about or absorb but just from being friends with someone just seeing what they eat at the dinner table or how their family culture is you learn so much and i think it's made a big impact i don't think i would be the person i am today i wouldn't have the same confidence i wouldn't have the comfort of talking to people even something as simple as having to make new friends um every three years made me a very you know outgoing and um, a very extroverted person in a sense and that actually works really well in my career when I have to interview people because I'm not shy about it so all these little things have very long-term impacts for sure hmm. makes sense and after your college what was the first job that you sort of picked up so right after college, I was already dancing and I continued dancing so for six years that was my main job I was a professional dancer and, um, I really loved it and on the side, I would MC events. You know, I would be the host for the Pepsi Dance Connection, or so I even like had those little jobs at those uh, Pragati Medan fairs where you would have to stand next to a car and talk about it for five hundred rupees a day. I've done all these little odd jobs as well. Um, mm -hmm. So that was kind of my first job, but my first proper desk job was probably working for an online portal when it had just started, just like nineteen ninety nine. I started writing content about city content for a portal that had just launched um, in Delhi. And then I came to Bombay and I just loved the vibe. I'd just come to visit a friend and it was so amazing that I decided I'm just going to come back. So I came, came back to Delhi, earned some money, which was just 40,000 rupees, which I for some reason thought is enough to last me <laughs> a long time in Bombay, which I'm absolutely completely wrong about. And I uh, came back to Bombay and I didn't have a job or anything. And 
I was staying with some friends who worked with Pralad Kakkar, the ad ad maker. And mm. my dream was actually to become a VJ because in my generation that time, being a VJ was the cool career. And I remember having auditioned a bunch of times, and but I went and met Pralad Kakkar, and I told him I want to be a VJ, and he said, No, don't do that. You should do something else. Like shattering my dream, right? Dream right there. <laughs> and then he said, What else do you like to do? I said, I like to write. So he said, You should do that. And I think he sent me off to be a copywriter somewhere because I remember when I came back, I'd gone to the MTV office with my five Kodak prints. I didn't even have a proper portfolio. And said, I want to be a VJ. And I'm sure hundreds of people come in like that. So they were nice to me, sat me down and then, you know, sent me on my way. But many years later, after I started my blog and did everything, ironically, I ended up having my own show about my own life, you know. Um, and it was on VH1. So it all kind of comes full circle, which is Viacom in the same MTV family. And then I ended up having like five seasons of television shows. So it, it all comes, you know, your dreams come true in, in the weirdest ways, not the way that you might have perfectly imagined it at first um, but it all sort of falls together so I realize now that everything that I did taught me something like being in a dance troupe teaches you teamwork because no matter how good a dancer you are on your own if you're not in sync with the whole troupe if you're going extra fast than them it's not going to look good so you have to be in sync you have to get on and off stage at the same time um, on radio I, I learned something really important is the power of connecting with people because even if millions of people are listening to you you're mm -hmm. actually having a very intimate experience when you listen to the radio so if you think about it even if six of you are in a car you will each of you will imagine the radio jockey looks a different way you'll mm -hmm. experience the conversation the music all individually which is why everybody thinks their favorite RJ is so good looking, right? Because in your mind, you've pictured them the way that you want to picture them. Yeah. And I realized over time that that's really how you create a connection with a voice. Even if millions are listening, imagine you're talking to one person. So I would always imagine that I'm talking to my best friend when I was in the studio by myself, even though however many people are listening. And that really connected with the audience. So when I decided to start writing my blog, I wrote it like I used to do my radio show. I wrote it like I speak. Um, and I wrote it as if I was writing a letter to you. So when people read it, they felt it was very personal, just like when you have a pen pal, as opposed to you reading um, a news piece about something that happened in entertainment. And I think mm -hmm. that was the early success and the early secret sauce to the Miss Marini brand. Hmm. So honestly, I've asked a lot of people if they had a chance to change something in the past, would they do it? And they always say no. Mm -hmm. But the thing is that we've reached a point where we've seen sort of some success in our lives and now everything makes sense. But was that a was there a point in your life where, where you sort of hit rock bottom and you looked back and you were like, maybe I could have changed something and done it better? Or were you always optimistic about the next thing that you would do? So I never really knew what the next thing I do would be because I was like, I think growing up in that sense, I wasn't career ambitious. I was emotionally ambitious that I want to mm. be happy. And I think that's so important. And I think that's something people don't know early on. Like I followed my heart. I followed my heart to Bombay because I love the vibe. I followed every job and it almost became like it was so easy for me to get those jobs. So I never really had to work that hard at it. So when I had to do, go out and work hard at doing something, it was kind of like, you know, usually things come so easily to me. So how come that's challenging? Things like, okay, going out and raising money, learning about running a business. So I don't think there's any specific thing I'd change. I think I might change a couple of things about how I dealt with things. I think that over the years, I've realized that I tend to have like a short fuse. I don't know why. It's like a temper that flares, but simmers really fast. But I know it's probably not a healthy way to be. 
uh, for mm -hmm. me and for people around me. So I'm trying to change that. So I wish there had been times where I hadn't lost my cool and had just kept it together um, and saved some relationships and you know work relationships or friendships that might have been damaged by that. And the other thing, which is actually a chapter I wrote in my book about, somebody asked me to write a letter to my 18-year-old self. Mm. And I wrote a letter which talks about how when you're young and at that age, I wanted to tell my 18-year-old self how rich I was, not in money, but in the most valuable currency in the world, which is time. And that so many times in all our lives, we sit around saying, oh, I wish it was Saturday. Oh, I wish it was after July. I wish it was, you know, you, you, know, you keep wishing that it was another day uh, further down than when you are right now. And I wish that I had not wished time away so often where I didn't take the value of each day and each moment, because this moment, even the one I'm talking to right now, is not going to come back. And you will always be a day older. You will always be, you know, and not to be morbid, like a step closer to the end. But the point is that you will always have been thinking about something that's coming up and not be present. And I wish that I had spent more time being present. And I'm really, I really pay attention to being present now. And Ananya Birla's mom, Nirja Birla, gave me some great advice. She goes, you know, when your mind wanders, just bring your mind to where your hands are. And then you will become present in this moment. So just focus if your hands are on your keyboard or on your phone or whatever you're doing. And just realign yourself. And I think that's the biggest learning. If I could change anything, it would be my value of time. That's such an interesting thought. I never thought about it like that. So is this a thought that you've had throughout your life? Or is this something that you've learned over time? Definitely over time. I think definitely now I, I can put it back and say it really, I really thought about it when I wrote my book and someone asked me to write a letter and I had to think about all these things when you tell yourself something. So I told myself, don't worry, everything is going to be great. It turns out great and don't wish time away. That was the two pieces of advice I got actually when I was getting into a long distance relationship. Don't wish time away and keep busy because keeping busy is the best. You know, you always enjoy your time when you have a full successful, productive day. You're tired at the end of it, but you're happy. And I think that that was learning that I've gotten to. Um, but you know, I, when you're younger, you also want to do everything immediately. You're impatient. And, and I get that. And I guess those are things that you have to experience. Um, but I think over the years, I guess it's part of the, you know, the good part of getting older. You have a lot more confidence and understanding. You, you know who you are a lot better. Um, and that's the trade-off, I guess, with aging. I wish I had this kind of wisdom when I was younger. But I guess I wouldn't have been who I was then if I had it. Hmm. And also life wouldn't be that fun. Life having, wouldn't be that fun, yeah. I mean, having I think a, a lot of wisdom of... is not always the best thing. That's true. I'm not a big fan of adulting. I have a very different version of adulting. I don't think that if you get older, you have to suddenly sit at home and dress a certain way and... You know, I've never dressed my age. I've never behaved my age. And I don't know what that means. I don't know what behaving my age means. I behave my personality more than hmm. that. Makes a lot of sense to me, honestly. And I have this habit. I always, um, how do I explain? I always binge watch you and Anupama Chopra. So whenever really? you interview people or you get interviewed, I always look at all the videos in my free time because... It's less of an interview and it's more of a conversation. So there's a lot more to learn for me mm -hmm. as a person who's trying to learn about the entertainment space, this and that. So what one thing that I've noticed that you talk about is EQ in running the business. I don't right. remember which interview, but I remember you talking about it. So how is EQ important for running a business? 
So I think, you know, a lot of times people ask me this question and when I bring up EQ is they ask, how is it different when a woman runs a business? And mm. I don't know because I've never run a business as a man, but I can tell you one thing that works well for me is that high emotional quotient. And I think in today's day and age, especially now when you see how important it's become to be mindful uh, and care about your team's mental health and all these other things. And, you know, even little things like in my company, we have a policy that women will get uh, a day off for period cramps, you know, and these are just little things I guess I know because I feel a certain way when I have my period. And these are not things that I guess would come up normally if a guy is running a business. Something as simple as that, but something even more as nuanced as just approaching things maybe sometimes more um, more emotionally, but even more with with the softer sense of things. It doesn't always need to be with a tangible result. So for instance, when I'm growing the girl tribe, it's not necessarily, okay, show me the numbers, show me the quality of people, show me the quality of conversations they're having, just coming back to what Clubhouse does, right? It's not mm. necessarily, oh, how many people listened? It's what was the conversation I, I heard? Now you don't, I don't feel people sit and count like, oh, did I, how many people were listening to me talk? For sure, it's nice to scroll down and see lots of people are in the room, but it's not about that. And I think it's things like that. I think it's about having sort of sometimes also thinking about how softer targets mean as much um, when you're doing things. And I think that's kind of a skill that I, I at least feel has really done well for me and having fun. I think the whole concept of how you have to behave as a boss and an employee has changed now. So me, like we don't have any cabins. I always go, I, I work with a lot of friends. We always go dancing and drinking and there's no sort of, official rule or line as such there's no you know people don't have to call me sir or ma'am you know it's it's that that's a different kind an old school kind of way of running a business hmm. um, you know so I'm I've gotten more emotionally attached to all the people who work with me and I really like that and a lot of times people tell you no you shouldn't um, work with your friends but I actually I mean my husband is my CEO and I think it works really well because you you understand each other's timelines you I mean of course you bring work home and you have similar stresses um, and sometimes you don't switch off but you also understand what the other person's going through because you're working towards a similar goal and it's the same way with friends you know you have that really nice um, energy at the office and you have that empathy for each other which you may not necessarily have had if you didn't care about the person so much uh, mm. as an individual as well. So I have worked in the entertainment media space in Mumbai for a couple of years and I know a few people who work for you. So what I heard uh, a few months back was that there were three days off in a week for a while. Yes. So what was the idea behind it? Because it's so thoughtful as an employee of a company to see that your boss is taking care of your health, not just physical health, also your mental health. So what was the thought behind it? Yeah, so I think it's because, you know, the pandemic became something we never expected and how much impact it had. And, you know, suddenly at home, you do have a lot more responsibilities. You know, you can't switch off completely. You have chores to do. You have to cook your own food. There was a time where everyone was doing their own cooking and cleaning. So we wanted to give people that space and peace of mind, you know, to be able to focus on themselves as well. And I think that it was important to do that. So we would do Wednesdays half day. And then, you know, Fridays were optional if you had something to do. And I think my team has always been really good about giving back and working really hard for 
us. So I don't feel like that gets taken advantage of when you give that option. And of course, there were some people who had so much going on that they didn't want to take the time off or couldn't because of a certain campaign running. And then we tried to compensate it in some other ways, you know. Um, yeah. But I, I think that I, it means a lot to me that 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 they appreciate that and that they even spoke about it outside. That means that it, you know, meant something and, and it made a difference. Hmm. One thing that I can attest to is that the people who work for you are honestly happy, which I'm is so rare in the entertainment media space. So it was surprising for me as well. <laughs> That's so nice to hear. Honestly, you're doing a great job. Stop being such an inspiration all the time. <laughs> <laughs> now going back to your story, tell me how did you get this idea of okay, now is the time to start Miss Malini. Because I know about the blog that you used to write for Midday. How did it convert into the brand that we have today? You know, kind of like unexpectedly. So I used to write the column, as you said, and hmm. I always used to go and do lots of interesting different things. But as you know, column space is limited. So I would go and, and cover a music contest and page three event and all of that and I'd come back and it would be chopped down to just who came and who left and a picture you know because there's mm. just no space sometimes and I, I was I was complaining to a friend of mine I was in Dubai on holiday with them and I said I wish there was more space to write about the things I really loved and he said why don't you start a blog and this is back in 2008 and I said what's a blog and he said it's kind of like this online diary and people read it and I said but who reads it and he said don't worry about that and he actually made me a WordPress account and sent me the login. I still remember 5th May, uh, 2008, I think I wrote my first blog about some random page three event I'd gone through it. And I just found it so satisfying that I was my own publisher, I was my own editor, and I had final say on what went up. And I was very proud of it. And I had done my own Photoshop. And it was just my own space to be completely my voice myself. And nobody mm -hmm. was telling me what to do. And it was just enchanting and it felt like the same rush I used to get when I was on the radio because I remember when the last day like when I stopped doing radio because I had a full-time job I was so sad the day I put up the faders I still remember I played Vochali and I played that after nine years of being on air as the last show I did and I left the studio thinking I'm never going to be this happy about what I do ever again in my life because this doesn't happen twice and mm. I remember being at ghetto this bar in Bandra, in, Bom in town hmm. and somebody asked me what I do this is when I stopped doing radio and I just was doing the blog and I was you know at between jobs and I said I'm a blogger and they said what's your name and I said you know my blog is Miss Malini and they're like oh my god I love your blog and I was so shocked that somebody like you know how is that possible that someone that I've walked into reads a blog on you know that so billion, millions and billions of web pages and they've chosen to read mine um, and I felt that same rush and excitement and joy that I used to feel when people would be like, oh, my God, I listened to your radio show because it was about the content of it. Right. It wasn't about how you look. It wasn't hmm. about any of that. It was about who you were being and what you were saying. And I love that so much. Um, and I think that that was kind of the, the magic of all of it. And that's kind of how it began. And I have another I have a funny story I have to tell you about the whole VJ thing. So I hmm. again, once before I you know started doing this blog, went back to VJ audition once again because I'm like you know I really want to do this let me try again and this time I auditioned for Channel V and I had gone and, and that time a friend of mine was working on a film set so I got there and they did my hair and makeup for me I looked really nice um, and I went for the audition and um, 
years before that, I had gone for an audition in Delhi and somebody had scribbled on the paper, there's something here, but I never got a call back. But I was so happy that my friend told me that they had scribbled that, that there's something here. And I thought VJs are so much personality and it's all about how they talk. And then the second call back from Channel V was, okay, we have to go and meet at the Sun and Sun Hotel. Come and bring swimwear and we'll do an audition there. So I went, this time I didn't have any proper hair and makeup. I did my own. Um, and I went there and Carol Gracious was there. She was also auditioning. So I was a bit intimidated because uh, she's like a supermodel. And I was like, okay, that's that's unusual because I didn't think that they're looking for supermodels to be DJs. And then I remember I didn't even have the right bikini top. She was very sweet. She goes, hey, you can borrow something of mine. And I did. And then they were like, okay, now walk out of this pool saying your lines. And I said the lines perfectly and I was really upbeat and everything. But obviously, I probably don't walk out of a swimming pool the way Carol Gracious does. And she didn't get the job either. But I remember after that, I didn't want to be a VJ anymore because I realized it wasn't about you know, just your personality. It was about all these other things. And I don't, you know, I don't think of myself as someone who looks like a supermodel or who aspires to do that. And I don't want it to become my life to become about how I look every day. Um, mm. And I remember thinking that that's why I really liked the blog. I could be who I was and people were appreciating me for what I was saying. And um, I think that's where it kind of kicked off. And it was just a hobby blog. I wasn't doing it for money. At that time, there was no concept, right? There was no, there was no influencer. There was no such word. Now they say, okay, you were an influencer back then. There was no co content creator influencer. But I guess that's what we were doing. But we weren't doing it for money. Um, and I was just doing it for fun. In fact, I still remember... I mean, at my wedding, I had some sponsored goodies I'd given away. So I wrote about them on my blog and I got so much flack for it saying, how can you promote something? And now it's people get paid to promote all the time and mm -hmm. nobody says anything, you know. But at that time, it was just so unusual to promote anything on your blog. Um, and I just I feel like it was it was just it started off just as a hobby. And then slowly over time, people started recognizing it and I got you know international people got in touch and they said hey will you write something and Levi's got in touch and I was like you know wow I don't even know how to deal with all the incoming and that's where my first business partner Mike Melly joined me and he said okay I'll just handle all the incoming emails you get and help you deal with that and it was just so interesting to see how it evolved then it became more of a digital magazine where we talked about Bollywood fashion lifestyle in like different categories and then I had to start adding people on because I couldn't manage all the content myself. And I remember putting out a word on, and the running joke at the company is that I hire people in five minutes. I can tell you in five <laughs> minutes whether you you would work with me well or not. And literally, like my team is like, you have to ask more questions. Interviews are supposed to be 45 minutes long. But I know, I immediately know in that. And I've hired people over a tweet, my first mm. you know, hire. And she worked with me for nine years after that. So I think it's proof of concept. And it was just about finding the right vibe because I wanted to hire people who were talking to an audience that was them. So why not hire them from where they hang out? And it just evolved from there. And then we got into so many more things. Now it's not just a blog. That's one piece of it. We do social media across different platforms. We have our own in-house ad agency called Agent M Creative. I think a lot of people don't know that. Um, we have our own influencer marketing called ignite then we have our own we are influencers that we manage on our own called ignite edge so many different things we've added on and like i mentioned five seasons of television so it's become kind of this whole big media empire as i like to call it um hmm. and i'm very proud of it but i had no idea it would become this and then now we've launched our own app so it's it's kind of a journey that's ongoing i'm sure if you ask me in five years did you think 
you'd be where you are now, I probably would still be as surprised. And I think that's the beauty of doing things on your own that you never know. But as long as you're true to your heart, it always works out. I think so. And I, I mean, it can be stressful, obviously, you know, in time in the pandemic, you feel so responsible for so many lives. You're worried about business. And, you know, it's not just about where's your paycheck coming from? Where is like 65 other people's paycheck coming from? You know, if there's going to be any issues and stress and all these things that people have dealt with in the pandemic. So it, it takes a lot out of you for sure. But I've had an absolutely extraordinary life. I couldn't complain one bit about it. And do you ever think about the impact that you have on others' life? I mean, it's just, it's amazing whenever I hear, you know, stories like, you know, like you're telling me, it means the world. I mean, I think this means more than anything else I could achieve in my career, right? If you inspire someone to do something and and I love it. Like I, I had this conversation with Ranbir Alabadia, you know, Beard Biceps, mm. and I was mm. so amazed that he told me that he had modeled his business on mine because, it, you know, when I first started and, and you just look back and you see like, wow, there's so many people and so many walks of life and at different stages of life. And, you know, if there's something that you did that was different or new that was able to inspire them, that that's it, amazing. That feels so good. And, you know, it's it's interesting. I was reading up something about something. It's called a helper's high. And it's mm. actually, you know, you know, because we know about all these dopamine effects and everything that happens from uh, social media and, you know, drug use and all of that. But there's actually something called a helper's high that when you do something that helps someone, and I'm sure a lot of people are experiencing this during the pandemic or inspire someone, you actually feel a release of a positive chemical that makes you feel good. Which is why you will always find whenever you do something nice for someone, even if you've gone out of your way, it's made a big positive impact on you. It feels good for you. So I guess it's, I feel that constant feeling of a helper's high when, when people tell me this. And I guess, you know, you never, you know, we all have imposter syndrome to some degree. You never really mm -hmm. believe that, wow, why do people, you know, read my content or, or look up to me this way? Like, it can't be like, I'm not worthy. We all have these thoughts, right? But when you hear things like mm. this, it makes you feel like, hey, maybe, I, maybe I'm legit, you know? Yeah, for sure. You are for sure. And it's hard to believe that you have that thought because we only see a part of you online. So we've <laughs> always seen you confident. So it's very difficult to believe that you have the thought. But me, for sure, I have it all the time. No, we all do. Like, honestly, it's just such a natural thing. I mean, you have one bad day or one bad interview or something doesn't go well or you just feel even uncomfortable even in a conversation with friends you feel like I don't belong here and it's such and it's so much harder when like you said people expect that you're always happy or everything is always great because they'd be shocked but on some level I think people need to hear it because it it's it it almost helps me to know that I'm not alone so the other day I was having a day where I was having a series of stupid things are happening you know when just things fall out of your hand or some mm. stupid argument happens or something doesn't go well and you're just irritated. But there's no one specific groundbreaking, huge thing that's gone wrong. Mm. And so I started a clubhouse room called The Venting Room. Just to say, okay, come and vent and I'm going to vent too. And I ended up not complaining about anything myself at all. And just lots of people came in and they were talking about different things that they went through that day. Everything from, hey, like, uh, you know, Uber Connect didn't reply to my complaint or mm. some girl broke my heart because she didn't appreciate the thing I did for her birthday. And someone even had a much more serious triggering story about abuse. And it was so amazing because everyone was just sharing. And 
on some level it was like hey i'm not alone in my misery but everyone said that they felt good at the end of that because they felt less lonely and not happy because other people are suffering but just to know that they're not alone in this feeling sometimes and i think that's what it is and i think it's so important for everyone to know that we all have imposter syndrome it's completely normal um and it's 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 totally fine to have it i think we have to stop telling ourselves hey don't have it it's okay it happens we all have it it's part of the experience it also i guess keeps you grounded i feel like if i never had imposter syndrome i probably would be really full of myself so it's probably a good thing <laughs> I'm sure it's now that you talk about it I think it's a good thing. So before I let you go just two more things that I want to talk about. One is about having a business, building a business or doing a job because mm-hmm. you and I and a lot of people constantly talk about the freedom that we have because we work for ourselves. Yes. Like even with the podcast and the show that mm-hmm. I am building at this point the the type of things that I ask and the format that I have is not conventional mm-hmm. that that i would be able to do if i'm working with a bigger brand right so right it's all about the vision that we have and the freedom that we have with the business but again is is it wrong for people to do a full time job it's not wrong i almost feel sometimes you you feel like you have that security now i realize when people are constantly asking me for you know their leave or their raises and all of that you realize like wow i never used to have to think about these things and i would probably have been tortured torturing my boss with these questions constantly and especially mm. at times like the pandemic when you really have to stress about all these things for so many people you feel like man it would be so so much better if i didn't have to have all of this on my head and i just took my paycheck and chilled and didn't have to worry about the business you know on a larger scale so mm. i don't think it's wrong i think it's whatever is right for you some people prefer to work for themselves some people prefer to build brands with other people some people are completely solo flyers and some people really love working to build other people's visions or make that vision their own hmm. and i think that there is nothing wrong with that i think we should never mock someone or say they're not doing good enough because they're not running their own business they're doing what makes them happy and they're doing something they're skilled at and by the way no one would be able to run a business if they weren't feeling people willing to join it and help them make build it right so you have to have everyone every step of the ladder every cog in the wheel is required for it to work for anybody as the human species we are all so dependent on each other and we don't realize it mm-hmm. considering right from the maid that comes to clean the house yeah. the office boy that we have who gives us the coffee everything is so connected mm-hmm. yet we don't value it i feel sometimes but again i think it's something that not everyone is going to notice but again i feel grateful for the connectivity that we have with everyone it's so important on a spiritual level to be in touch with so many people and to be benefiting from someone and to be benefited by someone i feel that's important absolutely i 100% agree i think that's what life is about sometimes i feel like the thing that we've gotten wrong is we get so caught up in the race about success and money and academics even but it's not about that we're here for what 60 80 odd years i mean based on my lifestyle i'm probably not going to last that long even <laughs> um, but it's like you know and what am i here to do i'm not like we all know everybody knows you come alone you go alone you don't take anything with you we all know this but we don't live like that we don't we don't live like 
we live like we're going to take all this every money and power and fame that we've got with us but we won't and there's so many examples of that you know so many unfortunately we all lost so many people in the pandemic before the pandemic and you know where is their money and their fame for yeah. them now you know so the thing to learn from that is that you know there's a line from a movie Moulin Rouge that I love that says the greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and be loved in return and it's not always about romantic love it's about the love for what you do for your friends your family your life and that's what you should focus on and being loved in return and loving other people and you should always do everything that enhances that and that's where it comes back to eq that work doesn't need to just be about achieving certain numbers or impressing certain people or raising certain amounts of money it has to be about what's making you happy and that's what i tell all these younger influencers everybody wants to be an influencer everybody's doing it but if you're not if it's not making you happy do something else do something that genuinely makes you happy you think that it's going to make you happy because you've seen all these instagram handles of these kids looking deliriously happy with their mm. lives they're probably not they probably have mad imposter syndrome it's probably very stressful creating all the content they have to i'll give you an example when i went to the maldives way before this pandemic lockdown mm. happened I was on the beach trying to shoot a reel and I had a big argument with my husband because I you know was taking so many takes and I was sitting there editing the reel rather than enjoying the view and I remember mm. being annoyed at myself for doing that but I couldn't stop myself I knew that I could have waited till the night to edit it but I just wanted to do it then and there and I remember I still regret that that was a wasted day now people don't know these things right they think oh wow she just had a great time in the Maldives in the larger scheme of things yes i had a wonderful trip it was so nice to go but these things do plague people who make this their career as well so don't do something unless you really love it i always tell people you know who say i want to be a rich and famous blogger i say don't try to be a rich and famous anything hmm. step back close your eyes and think about the one thing you would do for the rest of your life even if nobody was going to pay you to do it and make that your career and eventually fame and fortune will follow so true so before i let you go one last thing mm-hmm. because this is something that stayed with me i was recently interviewing a young upcoming musician mm-hmm. and i asked him how do you want to be remembered sure. and he told me that i don't want to be remembered at all mm-hmm. i just want to be happy today and when i go i go i don't care what people think about me the only thing that matters is that i'm happy when i'm alive so right. how do you want to be remembered what is your goal with life that's such a great perspective i wish that was mine i my greatest fear in life is being forgotten genuinely uh okay. by friends by family which is why like probably in my darkest hour i would never even contemplate taking my own life because i know how people move on and i i need to be around to make sure they don't forget me also because i know that once i'm gone even if i'm being remembered i won't know or at least i don't know if i'll know so yeah. all the years that i've put in all the work and all the love and all the friends i've made i'll have to start from scratch i mean i believe in reincarnation i don't know if you do but you know so it feels like a lot to have to do again and not even know that you're coming back to do it so it's kind of like one life to live and be here and be present so i would like to be remembered for having made a difference for being a legacy brand and mm. i'll tell you an interesting story so what happens is that 
like the imposter syndrome actually i think for me um got really intensified by the whole instagram experience because you know how i mean whether it's algorithm or non algorithm or whatever it is is you suddenly feel that hey you know i've been doing this for so long why don't i have as many likes or views on my content as a new creator who's come along and is singing and dancing right hmm. and it starts making you feel less than you are and an interesting thing happened so i was jumping around clubhouse rooms and clubhouse made me feel so good about myself because people were like oh my god we're talking to malini i was like wow i didn't think you cared anymore you know and <laughs> it was so it was so nice and it just made me feel so good and and i think that i kind of want to be remembered for the th- the difference i've made and the fact that i you know believe a great deal in in positivity and empathy and kindness and definitely this community of the girl tribe where we're trying to create a kinder internet and you know i always ask people i'm a great matchmaker so i always ask people when i try to set them up how would you like to be introduced when you're not in the room and that's mm-hmm. how i will introduce you to this girl and you know i ask for three words um that you wish people used to describe you with so i'm mm-hmm. going to make you do this first what are the three words you wish people used to describe you with it's such a simple thing that you asked but i cannot honestly think of three words oh, what i would i would say i would say creative would be one because i believe that if i want to write books full time i have to be creative mm-hmm. and at peace i know i am at peace with mm-hmm. what i do i am not really i am pretty relaxed with what i have and third would be i don't know call me good looking please <laughs> <laughs> no that's exactly it and so for me i would always say it would um effervescent hmm um funny because a lot of people don't know this but i really think i'm hilarious and my husband always makes jokes with me saying that no no that's not your thing you have other skills but i don't know if he's doing that as a joke or not so i play along but i know i'm not a comedy creator but i i have great wit and my third one hmm. is unforgettable i want people hmm. to describe me as unforgettable so it's so funny that you say that um so yeah so i think that's that's what it is i think it comes down to you know the things that you it's so funny i feel like i haven't had this kind of conversation with anyone it's so nice but i really feel it's it's really about finding that joy in today and we all have fear of the unknown and where we're going to go and are afraid of leaving and being you know left out of the rest of the party of life so be here now is mm. you know there's a sentence i heard that says forever is made up of a series of nows and you're mm. missing it if you're not here for each one of them i guess that's an amazing thought and on that note i'll see you malani and everyone who's listening to the show in the next episode